Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Ghana Connect. Tonight, the cost of cap-in-hand begging for Ghana and Africa. How COVID-19 is exposing Africa's age-old love for contributing little or nothing to global solutions. Only that this time, our reliance on the goodwill of others will cost precious African lives. Because those who invested in their vaccines are no longer as willing to share. This week, the health minister was forced to admit the obvious. It is a difficult challenge. Ever since we were expecting to be delivered by COVAX in April and May, have delayed because of challenges in India. India has stopped exports and therefore we can't have access to um, AstraZeneca any longer. And uh, we haven't achieved any success yet, so we can't give deadlines and give predictions as to when deliveries will arrive in our country. So that is the uh, health uh, minister uh, just admitting the obvious. So tonight, as Ghana and Africa struggle to get COVID-19 vaccines, we connect Ghana and beyond to explore how we learn the lesson of breaking the dependence culture, helping ourselves, and above all, contributing our quota to global solutions. We're going to connect Ghana. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And beyond for a discussion on this after the break. Hey, 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 hey. My phone is broken. My phone is broken. We've all been here before. The moment when your heart literally stops beating and you see your entire social life and savings flash before your eyes. Yep. Your phone just fell and you are frozen in fear, awaiting the post-mortem reports to find out just how badly your phone is damaged. But now, you no longer have to panic when your phone experiences liquid or accidental damage thanks to MTN Device Insurance. Just install the MTN Device Insurance app, fill in the details and make payment and experience the peace of mind that comes with knowing your device is insured as you continue to enjoy the most amazing 4G Plus experience only on Ghana's fastest network. Visit MTN Device Insurance or download the MTN Device Insurance app on Google Play or App Store and get your phone insured today with device insurance powered by MTN. We day for you everywhere you go. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUSD Campus, UC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 Shiashi or call 0501-683-914 or 0232-000-015. In Kumasi, we are located opposite Prempe College, Sofoline, and in Takradi, Apex Health, your preferred health insurer. Wow, wow, wow. 
help you have her do rent to own now in Ghana. The Plant City Extension Project Rent to Own Land and House Ownership Scheme by the Ningo Pram Pram District Assembly and its partners, supported by the Ministry of Local Government and Rural Development and the UN Habitat, are right here in Ghana. So be smart, oh, because where you trade and live really matters. Apply now and own a home or a fully serviced land. Wait a minute, oh. don't forget to join our affiliate housing cooperatives also. Special offers last up to October 31st, 2021. Call us on 055-55-3300 or 0577-911101 and 055-70-54635. Website, newaccra.city. Plant City Extension Project, shaping Ghana's urban future. Alliance Insurance since 1890. At Alliance Life Ghana, we have a wide range of life insurance packages to suit all pockets from individuals, groups, associations, and businesses. We cover your employees, your funerals, pensions, children's education, and your future. Call us on 0302-267-892 or visit our website www.alliance-gh.com for more inquiries. Alliance Life. We secure your future. Live on Joy 99.7 FM, this is Ghana Connect. My name is Evans Mensa. And throughout the last couple of weeks, I have watched in amazement, utter amazement, how African countries are struggling to get vaccines for COVID-19. Because they had been promised by COVAX. And COVAX, by, by, by the way, is this initiative largely uh, put together by, you know, the worst to give us free vaccines. They're going to deliver it for free to us. And, of course, the taxpayers of the West will pay for it. We got our first badge of this. I got vaccinated with that. I'm waiting for my second shot. That is in great doubt tonight. Because, listen, it's hard to find the vaccines. The free vaccines were promised somehow and coming. But guess what? Because the countries where the investments were really made to find the vaccines, have their own troubles. And so although they did promise out of benevolence, um, listen, the guy who pays for his own food must want to, must, must eat first. It's just the way it is. Even if he's promised you, I'll give you some. If I'm not full, in this case, his own people's lives are at risk, you aren't getting it. We rely heavily on India, by the way. And guess what happened to India? They found themselves in a difficult place all of a sudden. And so, and coming. But it's, there's a bigger conversation to be had beyond the vaccine um, challenge that we are facing. It's the cost of cap-in-hand begging, really, for Ghana and Africa. And it's really a case of how COVID-19 is exposing Africa's age-old love for contributing little or nothing to global solutions. 
Only that this time, our reliance on the goodwill of others will cost precious African lives. Because those who, as I've said, invested in their vaccines are no longer as willing to share. They were very willing at the beginning. They are no longer as willing to share. And this week, our own health minister, Ajman Mainu, I mean, I'm really sympathized with him, was forced to admit the challenge you are facing so that I and yourselves will get our second job. So far, we have received close to about a million persons, the 600,000. Then we got 150,000, another 150,000. We got a 50,000. If you put them together, we are getting close to about 100. And are they all um, AstraZeneca vaccines or we have any other variations? So far, we have all AstraZeneca vaccines. Okay. We are trying to make efforts to try to get in the country some Russian type Sputnik. Um, though we have made initial approaches and um, expecting some shipments to come in. They demonstrated availability and brought in the first 160,000, which is kept there, waiting for about 300,000 to come sometime this week. Um, we were expecting about two, three weeks back, but we have faced challenges with vaccine availability and payment structures and things like that. I believe sometime this week we may receive the 300,000. So that was part of our plan, and it hasn't impacted on us so negatively. Any update on uh, phase two of our vaccination yet? It is a difficult challenge. Ever since we were expecting to be delivered by COVAX in April and May, have delayed because of challenges in India. India has stopped exports, and therefore we can't have access to um, AstraZeneca any longer. Um, the president is making very high-level um, diplomatic engagements, and we believe that may yield some results. Again, global advocacy is putting pressure on those who are sitting on some of the stocks to try to do what they are calling now as um, um, those sharing, so that those who are, have the vaccines and are not using them can ship to countries that are looking seriously for them, like Ghana. They are working, and uh, we haven't achieved any success yet. So we can give deadlines and give predictions as to when deliveries will arrive in our country. But it will not take long. Those who had the first dose, um, we want to try to encourage you that we will soon get vaccines to do the second dose between the 12, 8 to 12 weeks. But the science is even talking that beyond 12 weeks, you are even better protected if you get your second job over the 12 weeks. So people shouldn't panic. We'll get vaccines to do vaccination. Oh, don't panic. We'll get the vaccines to do vaccination. I, I don't want to panic. But the reality is that it even goes beyond the free concept, right? Even if we found the money today, as the minister just said, is th- we, we, we can't find the vaccines to buy. Because you didn't develop your own. Um, I need to share with you some research that my team and I have been doing on this. Uh, this will fascinate you. A large part of this we found on the, on the Quads Africa website. They've done a great job of putting together what the problem is for Africa when it comes to this area. Just, just bear with me. You, you learn a few things as I did. Now, remember when, you know, after news emerged early last year that a new coronavirus was spreading across the planet, over 90 organizations across the world began developing and testing vaccines, resulting in a handful being rolled out in record time. This was made possible with massive private and public sector investment. The U.S., for instance, invested more than $10 billion in 2020, last year, $10 billion, to advance vaccine development. As of September, that is last year, 
321 vaccines were in development, with 33 in clinical trials, according to an analysis by Nature. Now, around four, and this is the part that fascinated me, around 40% of the development has happened in North America, compared to 30% in Asia and Australia, 26% in Europe. Did I mention Africa? No. Every part of the continent, all the continents, everybody was doing something. Everybody was contributing, trying to contribute their quota to finding a global solution to COVID-19. Africa, near zero. Let me, let me go on. This is not just a question of wealth and capacity, by the way. So some of you who are listening say, ah, but we, we don't have money. And we can't compare ourselves to the U.S. 10 billion. Let me bust that bubble. It's not about wealth or capacity at all because middle-income countries, remember we are a middle-income country. Oh, there's an argument around that. It's a lower middle-income, but whatever it is, we are just around there. Other countries in the same bracket like Ghana and others, um, India, Cuba, um, uh, Vietnam, Kazakhstan, Turkey, Thailand, Iran, all have vaccines in human clinical trials. Why hasn't the same happened in Africa's middle-income countries? Nigeria, Morocco, South Africa, Egypt, Senegal, Ghana. Efforts made by African scientists have been underway. Trust me, the African scientists, they are brilliant. And they made a lot of efforts. But they have failed to get support from either the private or public sector. Now, last September, it is an example in Nigeria I want to share with you. Last September, Dr. Happy's led, uh, Dr. Happy's, uh, one of those uh, lead scientists at the, uh, uh, an institute in Nigeria called uh, ACEGID, uh, which is a World Health Organization and Africa CDC laboratory for uh, genomic research in Africa, announced that it was developing a COVID-19 vaccine with Professor Jonathan Heaney, their partner at the University of Cambridge. The developmental vaccine was set to identify a neutralizing antibody that could knock down up to 90% of the viruses in a preclinical trial, according to Dr. Happy himself. Unfortunately, the laboratory has not been able to get funds or support to carry out clinical trials. I, I don't know the story of Ghana. I'm going to pre- pretty much learn about it as this show continues. But it doesn't end there. Part of the reason for the lack of funding is that African countries, and this for me is a real problem, African countries chose to focus on securing delivery of already developed vaccines. What are they already made? They already made. That's what, that, is, that was our strategy. I told you, all the continents, minus us, everybody was doing something. Our approach was, wait, let them do it. When they finish, we'll go and buy. Procurement. Our approach was <laughs> wait for the delivery of vaccines rather than creating our own. Now, led by the AU and Africa CDC, states responded to the pandemic as a common front, employing a strategy which enabled it to pool resources, including the purchase of ready-made vaccines. Now, they were able to secure financing from Afri Exim Bank, and this will shock you which is facilitating payments for COVID-19 vaccines by providing advanced procurement commitment guarantees up to $2 billion to the manufacturers on behalf of AU member states. Now, this data will, will possibly give you cause for concern. For comparison, the cost of vaccine development from preclinical testing through to human trials range from $8 million to $350 million. 
How much was Afri Exim Bank making available for procurement to African countries? Two billion. Two billion. So we could have taken the same two billion and invested that and say, continental body, this is, we are going to find our own vaccine. But rather, we took the money and said, let's wait. When they finish developing, we'll go and look for it and buy. No wonder we are struggling to get the vaccines. There's no report of such financing for the development of COVID-19 vaccine in Africa. The Africa CDC and the AU did not respond to, um, you know, a lot of comments. We tried to find, okay, so what are we doing? The AU's current vaccine development and access strategy has been limited to supporting in clinical trials and accelerating post-trial product regulatory uh, decisions rollout and uptake. So far, COVID-19 vaccine clinical trials done in Africa have been through foreign organizations such as Novavax, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, AstraZeneca. And of course, in South Africa, of course, they did clinical trials. These raise fundamental questions, not only about COVID-19, but the whole mentality of this continent and, of course, my own Ghana. And tonight, I'm going to have a conversation about this broadly because now it's affecting lives. And so we need to stop a bit and ask the hard questions. Wherever you are tonight, you can join us um, via WhatsApp 055 I want to bring my guests in who are connecting with us in the studio. Um, Esther Ama, um, a friend of the show, Executive Director of the uh, Ama Institute of Emotional Justice. Thank you very much for connecting uh, with us, Ama. He's a project uh, founder at the, uh, what is it, the Black Front Line. Yes. Wow, I, I love that. Jibril. Uh, is US-based data scientist and collecting it. Hello, Jibril. Nice to have you. When did you come back? I've been in town for the last two weeks. Okay, great. Great to have you. Uh, Kwame Sapanasiri, the man who speaks his mind, he really speaks his mind, uh, connects with us uh, via Zoom. He's a pharmacist and fellow at the CDD. Hello, Kwame. Do I have Kwame? I can't hear yeah, you. Yeah, hello. Hey, Kwame, yeah, how yeah. are you? How are hello. you? Well, I'm fine. Um, the things you are reading out are fascinating and disappointing, but I'm okay. <laughs> I'm going to come to you shortly with, with your thoughts on that. Then, Dr. Yalbediako, obviously with WACPIC, and by the way, WACPIC, they, 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 they have the capacity. I wonder what, did they even try? Did they get the support? I mean, look, let's let's start this conversation with like, Kwame Sapansiru. Kwame, you've listened to my, my rantings. Your, your, just give me your broad thoughts on this conversation. Um, good evening to all your listeners. Good evening to my fellow panelists. It will be interesting. Um, you were ranting as though you listened to a conversation between myself and Yabudiako on Sunday. I mean, if anyone listens to a conversation between myself and Yabudiako, myself and um, what do you call it, Manakofi Kwache or myself and, and any of the people who dwell in this space, our frustrations are a year old. And why do I say this? I say this because the likes of Yao cannot speak and rightly so. And I appreciate my colleagues very much and why they cannot speak. The bottom line is this. As far back as June 2020, we all knew that the clinical trials were coming up because that was when phase one for many of them had ended and we were getting information that immunogenicity had been proving, blah, 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 and human trials would have to start. Coincidentally, 
that started with Bill Gates wanting to kill us, 5G, we are not guinea pigs. Um, the West are the ones who are dying. They need vaccines and all that. Some of us try to navigate through the noise and point out to people that, yes, the West are dying. Why disproportionately that was happening at that time? The science wasn't clear. But I remember a news file that I appeared with Yao, and Yao was emphatic. He went, he said, look, the West are dying, and I accept that, but they will get it right. But when they get it right and they get out of this, Africa would be left behind. And that has always stuck with me from that conversation because he was clear in his mind that, yes, at the moment, they are taking the flak. But one way or the other, they would get it right. Where does that take me to? It takes me to where the UK today just before we came on air, SAGE, which is the um, scientific advisory group that advises the government of the UK, has come out and UK is out of the pandemic. They are in endemic phase now. What does that mean? It means that as far as the UK is concerned, there wouldn't be a huge spike. There would be large outbreaks from time to time because new variants would come and other things. Africa cannot speak of the same. You spoke of a number of trials. You said Novavax, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, and South Africa. The truth of the matter is the South African trials were for all these three vaccines you spoke of. South Africa didn't hold an independent trial. They oh, yeah, we go. For these, yeah, they held trials for these vaccines because they were approached. So, so well, what you mean is that, that they allow themselves to become guinea pigs, but they didn't think, oh, can we do it ourselves? Can we do it, uh, you know, generate, uh, develop our own vaccine? Yes, because there's a difference between what Chile did, where they approached the vaccine developers to say we want to be collaborators, and what, South, um, what Israel did, they approached, and what UAE did, they approached. And what South Africa did, they were approached, because all other African countries were running away. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know approaches were made to Ghana because I am aware of some of the interactions, some of the things we cannot put public. But the bottom line is Africa felt they were going to go for what we call kukufu bobo, when everything is cooked from defense and midfield attack, they pass and number nine, kind go, and you score and you, you claim you are the best footballer in this world. That has been shown to be ineffective. Disappointed as I am, I think Africa still has a place to play. You, you, you know, you know, Kwame. I will come. To, I'll come to the positives shortly because I'm. I'm there, there, there are so many lessons to learn. So I'm, I know you're going to come to. The, but I will come to Esther. Esther, where, where do you even start on this conversation? Because in the whole, I want to just go beyond COVID nineteen. But it's staring us in the face. It's exposing us. And I make the point. Only that we've done, that's how we've always done things, right? And so that this time, their lives at stake. Where do you stand on this? The real um, challenge and trauma of this moment is that COVID-19 is exposing something very specific.
that we are confronted by and dealing with a legacy of the economics of importing completed things as opposed to navigating our own internal um, creativity, brilliance, expertise to explore what must be created in order to safeguard the lives of those on the continent. Because there are other questions to um, explore and engage. I liked your point about we have to look beyond COVID-19 because what COVID-19 is symptomatic of is an economics that plagues the continent, that we are importers of, of things that are finished and exporters of things that are raw. And that economics equation has been the consistent um, critique, the consistent condemnation, the consistent reason for high numbers of um, unemployment among young people, the failure to do the work of adding value by not exporting raw materials and importing what is finished, by reimagining an African economy that recognizes that you can take from the land, from the soil, from what is within your world and build to the point where you save yourself. Why does this matter in this moment? You're seeing a particular trifecta, big pharma, philanthropy, politics. The combination of those things have never fared well with Africa. The mere idea, the mere idea that the West was ever going to quote-unquote take care of Africa is a complete disregard Mm -hmm. of a future where an America in particular, and and Europe as well, but an America in particular is built on the um, enslaved labor of Africans. And so you have a history of being willing to abuse labor but not being willing to invest in healing or invest in health. This is not news to anybody. People will say, oh, this is not the time to raise history, but history is instructive. History teaches us how people will treat us. And so the fact that the African Union, the entire strategy was a wait and see or wait for there to be a delivery is symptomatic of a much deeper trauma about an economics of submission, an economics of dependence, and an economics that will actually take life. But here's the, the, the potential positivity. Are we willing to confront what I call an economic reckoning. And the economic reckoning is saying that in the world of health, private sector, public public sector, in the world of government, can COVID-19 be the path where we reimagine a politics of dependency and recognize that India's devastation, as devastating as it is, should be Africa's clarion call to do something different. Because the, the, the Minister of Health's assurances are weak. They are not assuring in any way, shape or form. And we should not be assured by them. There should be a much stronger call to the world of science and medicine across Africa and say, listen, this is a particular moment. Why? Because you have a devastated global set of economies because of COVID. America is going to be building back for a long time. Europe too, Asia too, uh, across South Africa, Latin America. There has been so much devastation. Different African nations have not suffered in the same way. So in that space, our wait and see approach is symptomatic of a problematic history. Yeah, I mean, but we can turn it around. I, I mean, don't have to stay in that space. I mean, Jabril, that's, that's the same point, right? I mean, isn't this also a mindset problem? I mean, because I wonder what, why are we so different from the rest of the world? 
And I made the point. It's not even a financial issue, right? Because we, as I met, Af- Afriexim Bank was ready to put in two billion for the continent, you know, to to get in, and it it, it cost a fraction of that to start the investment into vaccines. Countries on the same level as as I mentioned, Kazakhstan, Vietnam, were doing proper vaccine attempts, you know, developing zero. We were just sitting there waiting. Mindset. So, so, so before I, I answer that, I mean, this is what the World Health Organization has said about Africa. We actually make fourteen percent of the world's population, and so we are a big power block. I mean, in terms of market and everything. But when it comes to vaccine production, we contribute to under zero point one percent. Here we go. Um, for I mean, in vaccine production globally. So of course, I mean, who, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Um, that that's our problem. But here, you know, back to your question, it's it's. Um, I think some kind of mindset. I mean, this whole COVID thing started, and and the, the attitude uh, of the African continent. I mean, I'm going to speak specifically about Ghana. Is that, you know, this is a developed country uh, problem? It won't come here. It's not our business. So even the thought of look, we have Noguchi Memorial uh, Institute that has a World Health Reference Laboratory that contributed to to the ending of polio in 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 Africa. In fact, the sub-region in West Africa, Noguchi has been the, the place where they've done a lot of research and vaccine work to end polio. So we have the, the know-how. We have the people. Uh, the institutions are there and all that. But it's the attitude of the people. And unfortunately, I will say this, that attitude rolls up to the top. And uh, as I put it, I mean, rightly, I mean, the minister's assurance is, is rather political and very weak. Um, we just think, oh, it will come and pass. It, it shall come and pass. This one too shall pass. That attitude. Um, in the U.S., so I, I was looking at some data, and uh, I, I just want to reference this quickly for you. And, and that's why in Ghana, we should be very concerned to get to herd immunity. That for people, you know, a lot of the population to have been vaccinated to reduce the infection and all that, a lot of people must have the vaccine, the shots. The U.S. is doing, as we speak, about out of every 100 people, 71 are getting vaccinated. You mentioned India that produces vaccines. They are doing 11%. So even in India, they are further down. Ghana, we are doing 3%. Togo is doing 2%. Ivory Coast is doing under 1%. Burkina Faso is not even on the map. So that tells you that even without 3%, out of every 100 people, three people, if we don't vaccinate enough because our neighbors are not doing anything, we are in, going to be in trouble for a very long time. And so the attitude piece has, has to end. It, it should start from the ordinary people thinking that this is a global issue, it's a problem. And that should trickle up the chain to leadership. You know, the vaccine, you know, so I, I work for a company uh, that, one of our business lines is producing life science products, vials. Um, and we, the company produces vials for Pfizer for this vaccination. Where at the start of this, the government gave millions of dollars. Um, I mean, the recent count, about $300 million to Corning Incorporated to help speed up production of vials for Pfizer to be able to use. Industry needs to help. I mean, so... What are we doing I mean, in uh, Africa? There's a fascinating book by Dambisa Moyo. 
um, Dead called Aid. Dead Aid. Mm-hmm. And in there, it actually says that it, we become so reliant on aid that we stop thinking for ourselves. Yes. So, I mean, Esther, does it come back to that? So that when they started, I mean, our instinct was, oh, they'll do it for us. I mean, they did it for us for um, Ebola. They'll do it for us again. Yeah. Uh, and so we just sat and waited. And as I just explained, we took the procurement approach. That's a problem with Ghana and Africa. Yep. Everything is procurement because that's where you can make some kudi. Right. If you're going to do your own thing, yeah, 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 you're not going to get money to you know, make of it. We took that procurement approach because uh, they, we've been giving so much aid when it comes to health. And you mentioned the immunization, so polio and everything. We are not contributing much to developing the thing. Is that, is that a problem also? That, that, that mentality that we've, the, the West have somehow cornered us into just depend on us. Is it their fault or our fault? What is it? Well, I think I think you have to deal, and you have to absolutely recognize um, that we are definitely dealing with the legacy of the untreated trauma um, from colonialism and how it shaped the notion of dependence, aid, um, the expectation that you will be rescued by somebody other than yourself, and. Um, But it's important to also engage and recognize that we also are part of a history where we have always created, we've always developed. We have an entire, um, we have an entire history of medicine within our continent. The challenge that we have is to absolutely confront our own inertia, to confront our own apathy and to confront um, a politics that looks for easy paths, for quick... But money. I wonder, why is when, that apathy? When, because, because this right, the, the, the challenge with COVID is that you're talking about a long game reality. There's not quick wins and there's not quick money, but there will be lives saved. And so the challenge you have is that for... You have a politics that has always been about quick money. Where, do, where is the, where is the um, place that I sign that gets me the check right now? That's the attitude with the vaccine. We'll wait. You'll deliver the vaccines. Right now, America is stockpiling vaccines. Stockpiling them. Stockpiling. That literally means that they have so much, it is just sitting somewhere, even as as we are in trouble. The challenge that we have is that um, from being a nation that was revered for its approach to handling COVID, the vaccine can have an entire turnaround because... The, for the minister, to, for, for um, Ghanaian politicians to make these very lukewarm reassurances that if you don't get it within the 12 weeks, you're fine. You, you are not saved because of politicians' attempts to persuade us of what is absolutely not true and is not acceptable and we should not accept it. But the, there is a long-term reality about what is health what is the economy of health going to look like, not just in Ghana, but in the regions of this continent? Mm-hmm. Because without a long-term engagement, how will we not end up back here again? You know, the Black Frontline, the, the project that um, I've created, is one where we're hearing from um, doctors and nurses across three countries, three continents. Ghana is one. We're gathering the stories of Ghanaian doctors, Ghanaian nurses, and asking them to share their experience of what it's been like working through COVID. Why? We want to engage stories as a strategy to make structural change in healthcare. Yeah, I mean, you raise a very, that's the next step, right? Are we really learning the lessons? Dr. Yabidiako is one of those brilliant, um, you know, young minds in this particular field, works obviously with the uh, West Africa uh, Center for Cell Biology. Uh, Dr. Bidiako, are you with me? Yes, I'm here. Great. I mean, no, 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 forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Let, let, let me come to you at this point. I mean, you, you had the Kwame Sapansi at the beginning. Um, <clears throat> we're having this conversation. Can you hazard a guess why we did, did we even make an attempt 
locally to try and I, I don't know I mean do something for ourselves in terms of the uh, developing our own vaccine um, I, I think I'd like to give some perspective to this discussion I think our biggest problem in Ghana is we over we overstate our capacity we don't have capacity until we accept that we don't have capacity we can't solve the problem so yes there are smart brilliant people who are trying but Ghana could not, Ghana cannot, manu- at this stage, manufacture a vaccine, period. Why? And the reason we can't do that is we have not invested sufficiently. You don't, you don't get up one day and start manufacturing. You were mentioning countries like Vietnam. Vietnam is one of the places where a lot of our drugs are manufactured. Vietnam has considerable manufacturing capacity because Novartis, a lot of these companies, these multinational pharma companies, probably because labor may be cheaper in those parts of the world, have established factories there. Now, it's possible also the governments have made it conducive for these companies to establish industries there. So we can't, we think we are middle income. We are not. So when you were talking about these countries are like us, they are not like us. They are ahead of us. I'll give you an example. We always compare ourselves to Malaysia. In 1996, Malaysia invested 0.2% of their GDP in, in research. Um, so about 10 years later, the number is now 1.3%. So in 1996, Malaysia only put 0.2% and basically they had zero research output. Then they began to invest heavily in research capacity and are currently over 1% and are now producing considerable research output and are streets ahead of, of countries like Ghana. By comparison, Ghana contributes many African countries. I won't single out Ghana alone. Less than 0.5% of our GDP is invested in research. So Africa as a whole, and I think one of your guests alluded to this, Africa as a whole contributes about 1% of global research output. We're a continent of 1.3 billion people. We are 14% of the world's population, and we contribute 1% of global research output. Yeah, let me correct you. It's zero point one percent. Okay, you are you are making it ten times more. Yeah. So, so the idea is that what I'm trying to say is because we contribute. No, it's, I think it's zero point one of clinical trials, but in terms of overall scientific research output, it's around one okay, yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. So, if you are talking about research output, this cuts across biology, chemistry, mathematics, any of the STEM fields. The whole continent of Africa contributes one percent to the world, and that is largely because we don't invest in it. Yes, our, our economies are smaller and we are, we are poorer countries, but we could invest certain amounts. By comparison, the United States invests 2.7% of their GDP in research, and they're always complaining that they don't put enough. They have an NIH that provides grants, that seeds, in fact, their NIH funds research in countries like Ghana. So I think the first thing that we have to do, and as scientists in Ghana have been crying out about this for many years, is that there has not been sustained investment in research. I mean, yeah, yeah, sorry, I need to ask you this. When you say we, we're not investing, is it because we simply don't have the money or it's just not important to us? I, I believe it's not been a priority. We cannot invest, you know, we are small, we are a small country with a limited, you know, limited resources. We cannot match America's level of investment. But that's why the calculation is done as a proportion of GDP. It's not an absolute number. It's a proportion. And African Union presidents have signed on several years ago to say that they were going to try to contribute at least 1% of GDP towards research 
in their countries. Up until now, very few countries have come anywhere close to that. So the issue is, you talk about Noguchi. Guess who pays for Noguchi? It's the Japanese government. Ask anybody, go to Noguchi. The, the new building that they have was funded by over $20 million of investment from the Japanese government. KCCR is funded by the German government. WACBIP is funded by the World Bank, the Wellcome Trust, um, grants that we get from the NIH, from the Royal Society. It is all foreign money. I mean, so what you're saying is all the products we've got because of uh, Noguchi, WACBIP, and um, if the foreigners take their investments away, we're back to zero, like nothing. nothing. Yes. Wow. Yes, and I, I challenge anyone to di- I challenge anyone to disprove that. It is the it's a simple fact, and it's not one government versus another. This is cons- successive governments have failed to realize the importance. Now, I understand from a purely political perspective, it is you cannot just blame the politicians because if I'm a politician and I come and build a school in your village or I build a road, that is something that you can point to within four years and you vote for me. But if I tell you that I've invested ten million dollars in Noguchi, where nobody will necessarily see the benefits immediately, our electorate will not respond to that. So you cannot just, politicians are a reflection of the society. They, the values, what they hold dear are what we hold dear. So we have to... We I'm going to pick on what you just said there and expand on it, but just finish your point. I think it's a very important point. Just finish your point. So, so as a scientist, yes, am I frustrated? Of course. And I don't think I'm, I'm probably not the most frustrated. There are people who've been here in Ghana much longer than me. I'm relatively young. I'm really new. There are people who've been trying to do this for many, many years. The, currently, there's been a, a national research bill in front, I think, in parliament for over three, maybe even four years. It has not been passed. The idea of this bill is to create public fund that, will, that scientists in Ghana can apply for grants from. That is something that at a bare minimum should have been done many years ago and has still not been done. We are hoping that COVID will be the final push that will get that to be formed. Even if you put $10 million there, it's relatively small. The NIH budget is in the, I think, probably billions of dollars, right? But even if you put $10 million, it's a start. So so we need to, we need to first of all, you know, everybody's saying, why can't Noguchi develop a vaccine? With what? Right? So we need to be honest about the capacity that we have. And once we acknowledge that we haven't as a country, not blaming any single political party or any single individual, as a country, we have not prioritized research. Mm. We have not prioritized supporting the talents that we have in this country. Once we accept that, we acknowledge that we have failed in that regard, then we begin to move forward. How can we begin to invest in the future? Without, you know, I know I'm talking a lot, but without, without external support, in fact, even our vaccination programs, most African countries, their vaccination programs are donor funded. HIV treatment, I used to work in Kenya, HIV treatment, antiretroviral drugs, majority of the budget comes from the PEP, from the um, PEPFA, the, president's, uh, the US president's fund for AIDS relief. I, the situation is probably somewhat similar here. So even our health spending is often donor funded. And this is where the issue of dead aid and, and comes in. I agree yeah. that it is a holdover from colonialism. We have become used to a system where we are always receiving. But when what that does is it puts us in this vulnerable position. And we need to stop thinking that the donors and external forces, they, they care about us. No, this, is, this system benefits them. The fact that we export raw materials and import 
uh, is the same way when they would come and take our raw materials and sell us gunpowder and alcohol. It is the same model that persists to today. So we are still colonized in many ways yeah. until we step up and say, you know what? We are going to slowly and painfully take responsibility and build our own capacity. We are always going to be in this position. I mean, and, and right you, you, now, I mean, just, just let me just one yeah. last point. The most painful thing that happened in the last few weeks, if you if you check Twitter, the UK is being the UK government is being dragged by African scientists, by scientists all over the world, because the UK government slashed their ODA research support by 120 million pounds. The UK government basically said, because of COVID, we don't have money to give to Africa anymore. And so they unilaterally slashed grants that had already been funded. People had grants that were two-year-old grants have been cut. People who had just applied had been awarded grants. And I'll admit that I'm one of these people. I was awarded a grant. I didn't get the money anymore because the UK government said, sorry, this after nine months of applying, of going through interviews, You've been picked as the top scientists in Africa. And then they say, sorry, there's no money. Congratulations, but there's no money. This is the situation that our governments all over Africa have put African scientists in. So that even when we excel, we get the rug pulled out from under us. But it, the UK doesn't care. They are looking after their own. I mean, so and, and wh- why, 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 sh- why should they? I mean, uh, Kwame, hmm? why should they? Hello, Kwame. Yeah, I, hello, I'm here. I'm just laughing. Um, and y'all cut across a number of conversations we've had. And I mean, the rhythm is why should the UK care? They shouldn't. Look, just go on social media and go back to May, June, July, when we were playing politics with COVID, and look at where foot soldiers were actually chastising the UK because they had decided that for you to have vaccine trials, you needed to have a bit of latent infections in your country. Oh, yes, granted, it went haywire. Myself and Yao have had conversations around it. But they needed to have latent infections so that they could have done their trials because you in Africa didn't want to do it. Everyone said it was the most stupid strategy anyone would take because containment was the best thing. Prevent your people from dying. Now the same people have their vaccines. They are virtually approaching herd immunity. And the world is telling them, no, scale back after you have died and let the European Union vaccinate, let Latin America vaccinate, let Africa vaccinate. It's never going to happen. Why should they care? When they were dying, Go back and read Newsweek. Go back and read all the newspapers. They said Boris Johnson was playing Russian roulette with UK lives. Why should they care? So when you hear the likes of Yao, who've trained in the UK, who've lived in America, who've worked in Africa, Kenya and all that, telling us that we pull the rug from under our feet repeatedly. And I hear, um, what do you call it, my colleague panelist in the studio, talking about the fact that we haven't become aware of the simple reality that no one is going to cook your meal for you until you go harvest the raw materials, learn to prepare it properly, cook it, serve it on the table, and eat it yourself. And we continue to think that we would probably take money to farm, get the raw materials, ship it out, and for them to feed us fast food. You know what they are going to feed us? Junk food. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, no, no, no wonder when it comes to uh, the vaccines. Uh, this week I heard that even the Sputnik V that we are getting, that there's concern that we may not be getting the, 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 the wholesome one because of what has been spotted in, uh, I think, yeah, in and Brazil. That, um, um, if, Evans, I'd want to end up with this. Even COVAX has supplied vaccines to African countries where they do not have a vaccine rollout plan. Yeah. We're dealing with Democratic Republic of Congo and now Almost 1.3 million doses of vaccines are being repatriated out of them. Why? Because they don't even have they don't even have the sense of mind to say even when we go and beg and they give it to us free, we should have a plan just to vaccinate our people. They don't have that. No, they, they, no, they, they, they have the plan. They are plan to wait. Well, give me the free and they help me now pay on top of it so I can vaccinate my people. So that was their plan. And then, and then now that it's being repatriated to countries like Ghana, the Ghanaian would then turn around and say, when the drug has been preserved in the entire cold chain and doesn't even have a clue how expiry dates are worked out, which is the area of my expertise, because I understand I'm a drug analyst and quality control person, how these things are worked out, we say, oh, the drugs are close to expiry, so... They are sending us expired drugs. Ah, didn't we tell you from last year? They want to come and kill us. You see, and if we don't stop this effrontery, and like your panelists in the studio are saying, and start saying, okay, if we think that the drugs they are bringing are going to be expired, and forget that it is because another African country bottled it, wasted time. Democratic Republic of Congo have had these vaccines for 10 weeks. And you said that the white person wants to kill you. If we don't accept our fault, Evans, we are not getting anywhere. I mean, listen, that, that is where I'd want to end up. The, the, the Africa situation is sad. I want to bring in um, Esther. Esther, the, the, uh, Dr. Yabida could say something. I want to tap both of your brains on this. That it's possibly also all our fault as a people. I mean, maybe this leadership is at the helm, but all our fault on the people. That Because if they invest money in research, we might not vote for the guy who did the investment in research. We vote for the guy who built the toilet, the guy who built the classroom. I mean, classrooms are good. The guy who probably built the road because they can see, I can feel, I can eat. It's consumption, right? It's there. But that research is brain. It's intangible. It takes time to... Isn't that part of the problem? So our politicians and leaders, they, they don't want to... It's fascinating data that all the fantastic research institutions that we celebrate, Noguchi, white man, I mean, Esther. So our, our own fault, is it not? We, we can't point at the leaders and not say we are also at fault. There's no question that um, political leadership is always going to be a challenging balance of dealing with the immediate concerns and the immediate challenges that people face on a day-to-day. Shelter, food, um, education, work, those immediate realities that you're dealing with, you're balancing them with what research is a long-term investment that will have massive dividends but but may not be realized for a number of years. And there's there's not going to be any easy answer between balancing the immediacy of dealing with people's absolute emergency issues that is the result of all the weak infrastructure that we have and the reality of actually investing in the building of capacity in Africa, because it becomes down to a very simple equation, which is at what point does Africa center Africa in all that she does and that using that model to leverage any negotiation she, she's going to make with other nations? Because the reality is in, with this, the, the 
the, the pain is that devastation does become a moment of opportunity. The question is, how do we respond to that when the devastation is as expansive as it is? But there's no question that this, this should be a, um, a tipping point for reimagining what the African scientific community um, needs what it means to begin to build an Africa-grown, Africa-realized capacity. And that will mean doing some very challenging things. Part of that will be reimagining relationships between African nations, African governments, and the West. The reality is you have Francophone Africa still feeding France, um, still feeding France's economy to the tune of 16 Francophone African nations, without which her her economy collapses. Where Where are we willing to do a different type of negotiation with the West that relies so much on these raw resources that come out of Africa in order to get what we need to build capacity. I mean, I take um, Yaz's point very seriously when he very eloquently and clearly breaks down the absence of capacity with Ghana. But the truth is nobody builds capacity in single, solo, siloed spaces. That's not how we build capacity. That it needs to be in negotiation as a region, so West Africa, in negotiation as a continent. That's part of the challenge is moving from singular interests to to at least regional ones and it's certainly continent-wide ones. Without that reality, we keep having cyclical discussions where we talk about what the West takes and what it doesn't give. The West has never cared about anybody but, but the West. That should be the end of that discussion. The question is, how will Africa build an Africa-centered capacity, understanding that it has to leverage very challenging relationships, negotiations, economic relationships, political relationships with the West. Yeah. That is a challenging question, but Jibu. one that we must address. Jibu. Yeah, Evans, I, I actually, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of time left. Um, I, I, dis- I wanted, I wish that Dr. Bediako had actually broken down what he meant by capacity, uh, lack of capacity as Africa. Um, uh, was he referring to human capacity, financial capacity, or what? Um, do you, do you th- want him because he's still on? He can answer that question very quickly. No, I, I think we have both. I mean, but you think we have both? Yes. Human and what? Financial capacity. I okay. mean, you, you know, you, you, you take loans, of course, we take loans to do everything in Ghana. Everything. But you take loans, you invest in areas strategically and create wealth. And out of that, you, you become self-sufficient and export. Right? So... In 2019, the, the vaccine market is about $42 billion. It's projected to grow to about $60 billion in 2024. So when we, instead of begging for arms all the time, begging for vaccines here and there, if we had, I think the capacity we don't actually have, maybe it's leadership or strategic capacity, people that will help shape Africa's strategic capacity get funding Build this vaccine. You know, procurement is not a bad thing. But that's the thing. We could be the, at the back side, the other side of procurement, and and feed into the vaccine market. In uh, uh, how? By tw- I think. So you know what? You take, you go to the bank. You take a loan. You build a house. You rent it out. You, it pays you it, over time, right? Why can't we strategically? Because when it comes to human capacity to build vaccines, we have it. I mean, I but, 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 but in this case, yeah, okay, they want to address that. Resources yeah. are, are, are mineral resources is a capacity. Yes. It's an uncounted capacity, but it's one of the richest ones that we have. Okay, I want to take a brief comment. They want to they uh, come, come back on what you said. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm giving you my time. <laughs> because this is an area that we've discussed at length. He has much more strength, so I'll cede my time to you. Yeah, so yeah, I'll go. Thanks, Kwame. So the point, yes, no one doubts Africa. Well, capacity is a very broad um, term. When I talk about we lack capacity, I'm talking specifically in the areas of scientific infrastructure and to some extent even scientific human capacity. Because let's not forget that the brain drain continues to rob us of some of the best talent. I teach at the university. Most of our students are going to leave, go and do. I myself left and did my PhD in the US. It's my love of Ghana that- Th Thank you for back. coming back. Thank you for coming other back. People, <laughs> other people love Ghana, but sometimes, you know, life happens. Every time we send 70% of our best students abroad for training, we risk losing them because life happens, they end up staying. The challenge is to build enough training capacity here that we can train our best people. Maybe they get some experiential learning elsewhere, but they stay. Now, what I mean by vaccines, it's not enough just to get the money to build a factory to make a vaccine. The R&D that goes into developing a vaccine, you're going to need a preclinical. You need animal facilities. That's we have a couple of animal body. facilities in this country, but at the, not at the level that is required for the GMP <laughs> standards of vaccine development. Beyond that, a vaccine costs, you know, a single vaccine probably costs several, you know, all the way up to maybe 100 million to develop all the way. But that is just money that goes into that particular project. It is built upon an infrastructure that takes years to develop. Infrastructure that is um, structural in terms of equipment, but also in terms of just human capacity, technical capacity, whether it is, you know, we're building genomic, a bit of genomic capacity in Ghana, but you can probably count on one hand the number of people who have bioinformatic computational knowledge at the level required to interrogate genomes and understand finding new markers. We don't have X-ray crystallography um, capacity in the country, so, as far as I'm so aware. How are you going to I mean, know the structure but, but, but of I mean, the answer? We, we have so been complaining we don't have capacity in every field. Exactly. The whole of our lives. But how do you create how capacity? How do you create the capacity? So you build, you build, you build it. it. My point but that's is the you point. build it. You cannot import this. You build it exactly. by... Yeah, but you're going to have to leverage no, it with something. Can I, can I finish? You build it by investing in our institutions, our training institutions. Our that's universities right. have been left hanging for many years so they do not have their they don't themselves have their own capacity to train our people so we always have to send people abroad so my point is that you cannot do it overnight we have but we have the challenge that you could. we have the raw skill we have the raw material even in our human capacity we have the raw talent no one can doubt that africa is probably the most blessed i'll be the first to say that but the challenge we have is having the structures in place to effectively harness the raw materials we have, both human and natural resources, to add value and then build the capabilities to address our problems. And what that is the issue. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but I think all of you actually agree that the only solution to this is prioritize research into the area. Yes. That you say the money is there. The fact that we have, so just make sure that it's priority. Right. But so you pull the money saying, in there. We're also saying you need to reimagine your understanding of capacity because all capacity is built. What we leverage has to be what we have. So if we lack the, all structures are built. And so do they exist? No, they don't. So the question is, 
um, they can't be built based on the absence of talent that is abroad. So the question is, what do we have that we can leverage as capacity that, that, that these governments want? You exchange things for the things that you actually need as opposed to simply importing... So it comes, I guess, to leadership, right? Else we will just continue rehashing the problems. Like yes. Dr. Batiaku is, is rehashing. We know it. Everybody knows what the problem is. We don't have this. Yeah, but we have, but, 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 see, we yeah, have to let, get leadership to uh, yeah, I mean, Okay. Focus, Focus on that. On the right thing. Great point. Uh, uh, Kwame, I have I have 60 seconds. Make, make, make the pitch. Two minutes. I came into Ghana in 2000 from the UK to lecture. And I left. Yao has come and he stayed. I've had private conversations with Yao. And the frustrations are there. The frustrations I had in 20, over 20 years ago are still there today. So basically, it's not rehashing the problem. It's not the issue is not understanding the problems. Because if it's taking two decades for you to be experiencing the same things I experienced, then we need to look properly. That's me then. Listen, this is a big conversation, and um, there are many opportunities that COVID-19 has thrown us. And I wish we could have more of this because we are struggling for the vaccines, but there is a bigger thing there to explore why we are struggling for it. And it opens up to almost every facet of our national life that we are struggling with. Um, big thinking is required. Um, listen, Esther, I'm grateful um, that, that, that um, you, you joined us. Uh, Jibril also. Uh, it's been a bit you know, controversial, but that's what we need to, to exchange ideas and then find a solution. And I think in there is a solution. I think both of you agree. One, prioritize. Two, leverage on what you have to build, to get what you don't have. And we have a lot that we can leverage on as a continent. Um, and, and the solutions really are known. Kwame, Yao, all grateful. A, a bit of what you're saying on social media before we wrap up. Uh, Evans, the medical doctor is not right when he says the politician is the reflection of the people. Even Israel receives aid from the U.S. government, but look at them. Um, this one from Vida Autry. Production will help a lot of people, but procurement will make a few people rich. Evans, get it. Uh, Simon Teta says, Evans, the shocking thing is that all the African scientists attended the same best universities with those who are creating or producing the vaccines. So what happened to us? Uh, Kay I mean, says, Dr. Abedaku answers that question. He's yeah. brilliant. He can do it. He just hasn't got the resources to. Yes. And uh, this one says, um, why are we different? That's a good question, Evans. Uh, Mavis uh, also says... Uh, that is our own problem. We created it and we are failing to address that situation. And Dream Year asks the question, so where is the money the IMF, the World Bank and all individuals donated to help government uh, fix COVID-19? We could have put a bit of that into research. Listen, um, I would love to have this conversation again. Uh, hopefully the vaccines finally arrive, but we should say never again. The reason why I'm skeptical, we had Ebola. We thought, oh, Ebola, after on the back of Ebola, we've learned our lessons. Africa would do something different. We are back here, another uh, pandemic, and we still haven't gotten our acts together. Maybe this one we will. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Locker Room is up next with the lads.
I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. And a great good evening to you wherever you find yourself. Hello and welcome to the locker room. Enjoy 99.7 FM. We begin on a basketball note because for those of you who have been paying attention to what we've got uh, on our screens on Joy News and Joy Prime, and those of you who are following us at myjoyonline.com, we had a special feature on Amida Brahma, the latest Ghanaian to feature in the NBA following in the footsteps of Ben Bentil and Pops Bone Suprema. Brahma signed a two way contract here with the Indiana Pacers a few days ago and scored six points, made three rebounds and two blocks in his first appearance for the Pacers in just nine minutes he was given there. So, Abida has been telling me about his battles in the G League, how his family has been right behind him and, of course, being the second Ghana bread player to feature in the world's biggest basketball league. We'll start with this feature when we return. Yaminta will join me as we begin to do some analysis on what exactly the future holds for Amida Brahma. Here's a feature, Amida. It's such a journey. Born on the streets of Accra and keeping in touch with the dream of playing your basketball at the very top, the pinnacle of the game, the National Basketball Association we love to call the NBA here in Ghana. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Surely a path that many Ghanaians only dream of. The difficult footsteps of Ben Bentel, and to an extent, Pop Smenzabonsu, who was even born in London, look improbable for even the brave basketball players on these shores. Amida Brahma, let that sink in. He's the latest Ghanaian, and only the second bred in Accra to make the jump. Brahma stays as a young man at Happy Home Primary School, afternoons spent as a young adult at the Tudu Lebanon House Court and time in the Galaxy Basketball Academy in Accra were key to his development. 
Primer had his college education at the University of Connecticut, where he starred in their basketball team. Starting 69 games, he made 100 appearances for UConn, scored 644 points, and recorded 390 rebounds, as well as 280 blocks. He made the American Athletic Conference all-rookie team as well. Amida was signed by Chicago Bulls in 2017 for the Summer League, although he was included by the San Antonio Spurs. I was waved hands, joined the Austin Spurs. He played 48 games for the Austin Spurs in the G League in the 2017-2018 season, signed for Partizan in the Belgian League, returned to Austin Spurs in 2018-2019 season. He got waived by the Indiana Pacers prior to this season and joined the affiliate Fort Wade Maddox in the G League and later signed a two-way contract to feature in the NBA for the Pacers. After two games already with the Pacers, especially with his first taste of NBA action, he scored six points, made three rebounds and two blocks in just nine minutes. Now, meets the new Indiana Pacers man, Amida Brimer. It's been a great, it's been a, a tedious journey, you know, just coming from Ghana and just like, we all know that Ghana is not a huge country when it comes to when it comes to basketball. So, uh, just like going to co- coming into high school and going to college, you know, it's a uh, it's been a great it's been a it's been a challenging journey, journey. But I think I think I, I eventually, I mean, it's worth it. It's worth the the trials and the tribulations that came that that I had to go through to get to where I am now. You know, and um, yeah, as uh, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited and stoked to be here right now. Right. So, did you see the move coming? I mean, were you were you giving hints or it, it hit you by surprise? So, I I would say it caught me by surprise because uh, going into the G League bubble, like going into the G League bubble, I did not. I was coming. I'm just coming off an ACL tear, and like um, I've taken two years off of just like you know just rehabbing and just getting ready for getting ready trying to come to make sure I'm, when I come back, I'm gonna be. Just been locked in and just like trying to prepare myself for for whenever I come back, I'm gonna be 100% go, you know. So it's I, I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting like I mean I'm doing all this because I want to be ready whenever the opportunity arises. But like I wasn't expecting that to happen because I've been healthy for three years already before this happened. So like so that, and nothing happened. So when the way it happened was very crazy because I went to. I was having um I, I went to I came to train I've been to training camp with the Pacers the year I tore my ACL and then I came to training camp with them this year and I couldn't play I couldn't even play in training camp because of Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 